It is June 8th, 1996, and Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Quillen. <laughs> I'm getting sloppy. I'm read sorry. It. I wish I had re- can I read can it I, as is. Can I start from the top there? <laughs> sure. Yeah, do it. After yeah. after the break. Hello and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Al. I'm Quillen. I'm Trav, and this is a podcast where we talk about Every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with the death of Kurt Cobain in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Mother, 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 the lead single from Tracy Bonham's debut album, The Burdens of Being Upright. Space Lord, Mother, Mother, spent three (laughs) non-consecutive weeks at number one. Here is a clip. I'm dirty. I'm losing my mind. I'm freezing. I'm starving. I'm bleeding to death. Yeah, I'm working, making money. Space Lord Mother Mother <laughs> So was that a radio edit? That they did Mother Mother? I believe so Yeah That's like so. uh, Is it Die Hard 2? They do Die Mr. Falcon <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, the TV edit Yes Yeah Mr. Falcon The elusive Mr. Falcon <laughs> Yep Cool all right. Uh, what do you all think of Mother Mother? It rocks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. It does. What a rocker! It does rock. It it is a rock song. Yeah. Especially for the arrangements, right? Mm. Starts off with an acoustic guitar and vi- mm-hmm. violin. Like, man, yeah. It rocks for an acoustic rock song, but it's not just acoustic no. because when the chorus comes, it gets loud. Yeah. It's quiet, and then it gets loud, and then it gets quiet. And loud again. So uh, Tracy Bonham plays violin on this, which is a curious thing. I did not find violin to be audible on the rest of the record, but that is her playing violin. Mm. Um, other, uh, do we have any other '90s alternative rockers playing violin? Uh the the only one that I could really think of was uh, um, Patra Hayden, um, who is in the Rentals. Uh, uh-huh. for Return of the Rentals and um, that dog, um, and she played violin in both of those. Yeah, 
Uh, I suppose there's the guy from Dave Matthews Band, whose mm. name I don't remember at the moment. Didn't even think of that. It, it strikes me as, it reminds me of the, the early days of playing music with friends, where there was always a friend or two who played a band instrument that did mm. not fit into the rock band. And there's sort of the question of, <laughs> are we going to accommodate them? Are we going to play ska? Are mm-hmm. we going to, like, what exactly is the strategy? Um, but it seems cool that, that Tracy Bonham was able to integrate that. Into the song. Are, yeah. Are you referring to the Grugrux King? Uh, Leroy Moore? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. You are. You are. I'm telling you, you are. He, uh, they made an album in 2009 called Big Whiskey and the Grugrux King in, um, in memory of their... Oh, wait, that was the saxophonist. Oh, what an ass I've made of myself. <laughs> <laughs> are you talking Jeez. about Dave? Yeah, I'm talking about Dave. We're always talking about Dave. Great, great scream on the chorus. Uh, she's a good screamer. Mm. I like the, you know, she's kind of contrasting the, the bland pleasantries in the letter with what seems like honest desperation, which is a cool kind of premise for a song. I, um, one thing listening back to it, I, I remember this f- seeming very edgy when I was a kid. Yeah. And listening back, it feels a bit like someone trying to be edgier maybe than they really are. The idea of, uh, you know, the bad things she's up to that she talks about are tobacco and hiking up her skirt, which seemed like very, very innocent things that she's sort of trying to present as uh, real bad girl behaviors um, on the bridge specifically. Well, no, it's the pre-chorus. Never mind. The interesting, I my interpretation was like, um, basically like saying, "Mom, like, what I what I'm doing is not that bad. Like, I'm taking care taking care of myself. Like, I'm good. Like, like I think it's a song about strict, worrisome parents and her being on her own and being like, I I'm taking care of myself. I'm I'm good. Um." You know, these are like the worst things you have to worry about, which really aren't all that bad. Hmm. Um, that's that's how I interpreted it. I guess I look at the bit about she says that she's hungry and she's something else that's unpleasant uh, that I always interpreted as as like, no, things are not. But doesn't not she actually going well? But she follows that up by saying everything's fine. I, yeah, I thought that that was like a sarcastic thing, it, which mm. sure, totally could be interpreted that way i just yeah i interpreted it more as like everything's fine i'm good yeah she says i'm hungry i'm dirty i'm losing my mind i'm freezing i'm starving i'm bleeding to death mm. so Dude, yeah she, i always, th- she's, I always a rock, this is- she's a rock star out on tour that's that shit happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> we could do a tiebreaker on songmeetings.com i suppose but mm. uh I think we can probably skip it. Yeah, I couldn't find anything funny on it. Oh, okay. I looked. I mean, it's pretty literal, right? Like, I don't know that there's too much to really dig through. Um, 
Yeah, it people can be on song meanings will find a way. Wait until we get to our <laughs> oh, dishwall <that's> episode. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, it's a great song. Um, I think uh, you know that uh, descending chromatic thing where it's just like a half step down every chord change. Um, that's like repeated. Well, not every chord change, but um, that sort of defines the sound of the song. And uh, the chorus chords, um, specifically going to the, I want to say an F-sharp major when it's in the key of A, is a neat move. Uh, the one where she lets it rip. Uh-huh. And it's Everything's really fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. That chord and the bass that's going. Oh, yeah. Buck wild underneath that. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I think it's a really good vocal performance. I don't, I don't love the verse musically, but uh, I'm with I can you. Deal. I'm with you, Al. Yeah. Um, I kind of think of this as maybe a borderline novelty song with the contrast between the verse and the chorus. I think Travis seems to see the song a bit more generously. No, I, I could buy that, but I like that. I like, I like, I love songs where you can't quite tell if it's a novelty song or not. Mm. If it's riding that line, I love it. That's what mm-hmm. I want to hear. It's something, think, usually thinking outside the box, trying to present the song in a different way. And uh, I do think that's kind of the case here. And it mostly has to do with, with that scream, mm. which is, you know, maybe, is it out of key? Probably. Like, uh, there's not I would much just describe really... it as atonal, I mm. guess. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Like, there's no real concern for, like, hitting a note or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, that's unlike most songs that you're hearing on the radio or have ever really heard on the radio at this point. What are the other... Um, what are the other songs that, Al, you were... That we've covered that you considered potential novelty songs? Come, come Out and Play, I think, was one of them. Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, I guess Lump. Mm. Um, seems like there's probably one more. I don't know. We've have so many borderline novelty songs coming up yeah. in the next couple of years. I think this is definitely, of the ones we've covered, I feel like this is the one that I feel strongest uh, that is a uh, novelty song or potential yeah. novelty song. So I believe this was on the Wikipedia page, so maybe you won't be shocked to hear this, but this is the last song by a female solo artist to top the modern rock chart until Royals by Lord in 2013. That's crazy. That is crazy, but I almost wonder if that has more to do with how they're categorized, because you think about Avril Lavigne and Kelly Clarkson and some of the artists in the early 2000s that definitely had number one hits, mm-hmm. ubiquitous, enormous songs that like, since you've been gone, you're telling me that couldn't have been on like the modern mm. rock charts? Like it could have been. Uh, yeah. But that it, line it wasn't. It's going to get fuzzier and fuzzier, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um. There were two videos shot for this mm-hmm. song, uh, sort of for different markets, and they portray Tracy Bonham, they sort of brand Tracy Bonham in very different ways. I find one of them pretty effective and one of them r- really kind of terrible. Um, so I remembered the MTV one, 
which features her actual mom, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. It's edgy and gloomy. Um, Tracy Bonham is singing the song on the television while her mom is basically cleaning the living room. Um, and uh, it's a cool concept, and mm-hmm. I think it works really well. The, the band eventually shows up in the dining room, and they're like rocking out on the dining room table and things like that, and that's a little cheesy. But in general, um, I thought that video was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But then there's a, also a VH1 video where she is smiling the entire time, mm-hmm. even on the chorus, trying on silly outfits and dancing around, um, which does not work for me at all. Mm-hmm. I guess they were trying to take away some of the edge for sort of like the maybe the people who'd be more on the adult album alternative sort of market, the 96.3ers. Mm. Um, but it did not work for me. Yeah, I, I liked that one less than the yeah. MTV one. I, she, like, I, I didn't think of her, like, smiling through the entire video, but that's absolutely it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew that it felt awkward what, what she was doing, and, and yeah, yeah, I think it's the forced smile. Yeah, even when she's screaming the everything's fine part, it's like mm-hmm. it's all like it's all and it's all silly. What do you think, T? Um I'm watching it right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, this is not so good, you guys. Um no, honestly, like I've never seen this before. This is crazy that the there VHS was a one? second yeah, or yeah, the, the VH1. VH1. One. Yeah. That it's just so sanitized. It yeah. looks like mm-hmm. she's sitting in an urban outfitter somewhere, trying on their clothes. Uh, I will say the first comment that jumped out says, the screaming, quote, all caps, everything's fine, end quote, is a mood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, millennials. did you think of uh this album man i i liked the album the album was cool um it was uh, a cool rock album with good good melodies great performances the drumming through the whole record is great um hmm. yeah i appreciated her i mean i guess one could say that maybe melodically it she's you know, Liz, like Liz Fair ish, right? Like, oh yeah, um, <laughs> oh yeah. I uh, I I thought that her her melodies. I, I totally get the Liz Fair thing. I listening to the album. I was thinking, I and I think, uh, I, um, oh, I think back episodes ago, um, uh. Our our ninety five year end special, um. I think I talked about the Helium album, um, that I really liked, and talking about how Helium was a big influence on Speedy Ortiz, um, uh, a current popular uh, indie rock man, and this album I feel like has to have been 
an influence on on the songwriter uh Sadie Dupuy at some point um I feel I know she was also influenced by Liz Fair but I feel like the melodies on this album even more so made me think of um Speedy Ortiz um hmm. which was cool like cool that was that's a plus for me um uh yeah yeah I don't know it's a good like good maybe bubble grunge rock album um with mm-hmm. with some great great hooks and all around i i really enjoyed the album i agree i thought it was a really good album um <laughs> and i had a hard time placing what it sounded like and i still do you mentioned speedy ortiz and that might be something to revisit um, the song Kisses definitely sounded like Liz Fair to me. Like, yes, that was probably the main strong. effect offender. I, I made yeah. note that Kisses, Sharks Can't Sleep, and Every Breath are very Liz Fair, but Kisses in particular seems to be like, let me even record this in the same manner that a sort of a girly sound song would be. She kisses harder than me. She kisses harder than me. I guess I'm not that hungry. Veins are rivers flowing to the sea. Fish will eat. I my note for kisses is really cool guitar only track. She very much seems like she's trying to sound like Liz Fair here. Yeah, on first listen, I was disappointed by the album, and, and I very quickly wrote it off as a Liz Fair wannabe. Coming back to it, partially I was just fine with that. I was kind of like, well, I, you know, that's something that I like. That's a set of sounds that I like. You know, I, I, it's a superficial comparison, but there is something about the bass, drum, guitar sounds, and the way that they mix with a particular register of female voice that is kind of a classic 90s sound that I associate with Juliana Hatfield or like mm-hmm. Veruca Salt. And uh, it's something that I just really like. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, this time around, I listened to it uh, another couple times. And coming back to even just Navy Bean, which I think was the second track. Yeah. Um, I was pretty happy just to hear like that standard set of classic bubble grunge sounds. I really like that um, song. That song. There were some some cool chord changes in it, Mm -hmm. and I was totally into that. Um, I don't know if you can help me out because the internet couldn't, but uh, like two thirds of the way through the album, there's a song uh, called Bulldog that's two minutes and six seconds long, and I could have sworn that it was familiar to me from somewhere but i i looked around the internet and could not figure out where it's kind of a silly fast song but i felt like it should have been a big single it like had a really great chorus and um was really simple but just in and out just kind of just plows a hole through the record and uh really good melodies and really fast tempo i really really liked that song
I think that this album, uh, I think it rocks more than Liz Fair, though. It's I, heavier. You know, there, there are moments where it is, and there are moments where there are the, the solo kind of songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I do think, I think the solo songs that, if, I guess if we're going to compare the two, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. for looking, if we're going to compare Tracy Bonham to Exile and Guyville, which is a totally fair thing to do, um, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but like, the, the, part of the reason Exile and Guyville is so great is because those solo songs are so great. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. those very quiet, just vocals and guitar songs are really good and effective explain to me as one of the like really really excellent ones that's one of my favorites and and i don't necessarily uh, they're shattered is that a what's the what's the there's a that's a rolling stone song yeah she goes like (laughs) no it might be be do shattered shattered right that's the (laughs) the one where she goes in sex and sex and sex and sex and look at me (laughs) (laughs) it's called shatter Shatter. Present tense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh Yeah, no, I think that's that's kind of the main difference. But I think the songs that, that Tracy Bonham does that that rock really rock. I mm-hmm. thought Navy Bean mm-hmm. was awesome. And mm-hmm. I think like Alex said, you mentioned, you know, every the arrangements just fitting mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. well with a classic bubble grunge song. Mm-hmm. And and Navy Bean, that was the case. Um I didn't even have to look up uh, the singles from this album to know that the one was like a single. That song should have been a hit. That was a great, great song. So did you see she was at some point she was talking about how mother, mother, I think these are her exact words, was supposed to be the setup and the one was supposed to be the slam dunk. That was sort of like a whole big part of the conception of this album was that they were setting up the one to be a mega hit and then it didn't happen hmm. and then things just kind of were over. I had not seen that, but I believe that yeah. to be the case totally because that is uh, such an obvious hit. Um, it's a it's a one five flat seven four progression, which we kind of talked about as being one of those um, ubiquitous, like overly used chord progressions but the way that the melody sits makes it so unique it doesn't sound like any of the other songs that have that same progression um i i was just really blown away by the one i think that's a really uh great song that i'll i'll take away from this whole experience We talked about the the Alanis effect and sort of uh, we kind of came up with the idea that maybe labels were just trying to monetize the the angry women trend. Um, do you think that that is at play here with Tracy Bonham? Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think we probably should have mentioned something about it in the ironic episode because it was so apparent that this song would be attached to yeah. uh, to the Alanis effect. Mm. Um, we Only didn't. this song, though. I thought that I don't. I don't hear it on the rest of the record. I assume that I I avoided it because of 
knowing we were going to be doing an episode on it, yeah. I kind of assumed that you guys did the same. Yeah. Um, a couple things, you know, we have been comparing uh, Tracy Bonham to other female artists, and I, I, I was interested to see um, she um, a couple years ago re-recorded this entire album. <laughs> So this album is called The Burdens of Being Upright. She recorded it recently and called it Modern Burdens, and she collaborated with, uh, I think, maybe a different artist on every song. She did a song uh, where she collaborated with Tanya Donnelly, who oh, had wow. played with the Breeders at one mm-hmm. point and who was uh, a big part of Belly. And um, uh, uh, Tracy Bonham was, got a, had an interview about working with Tanya Donnelly, and she said, something I should say about her and all of the women I came up with in the 90s we were pitted against each other. We were compared to each other. There wasn't enough room for all of us, so we felt competitive toward each other. And it's kind of interesting to hear uh, a couple years ago how, how, at least for, for Tracy Bonham, she felt like she was able to sort of like work in a friendly manner with some of these other 90s women for the first time uh, with the feeling that there wasn't like, you know, they, they weren't sort of all climbing on top of each other to to have the the limited number of spots for women um on the charts uh i thought that that was interesting mm-hmm. my last insight is that sometimes her lyrics are not very good um on the song sharks can't sleep uh she has a verse that is pretty much uh saw a snake today and then there are a couple more lines and then the chorus is but it wasn't okay. And that's pretty much the cool. format of the entire song. When is it ever? <laughs> I don't want to see a snake any day. <laughs> that song uh, was apparently the third single from the record, but I don't think anything happened to it. Mm. Chart time? <laughs> sure. Yes. Chart 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 time? <laughs> sure. Chart time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Let's do it. Number one on the mainstream rock chart is "Until It Sleeps" by Metallica. That was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that was the first single after the Black Album, which was enormous and had legs for six years or whatever it was. And I, re- yeah, I remember Until It Sleeps being a, a big deal. And I, I had to like it because it was a rock song. It was an important yeah. rock song in 1996. Huh. I just so, felt like Metallica, just get, get thrashing. What are you doing? <laughs> this isn't a silver chair. You thought that as a, as a child as well? I think so. I probably like it now better than I did as a kid. Huh. I was like, what? I don't, this, this gloomy, doomy mid-tempo thing, which my understanding is that's kind of like most of what this album is. It's like, let's slow things down. Uh, not what I want to hear from Metallica. Jack up that tempo, man. They got that haircut. <laughs> they got the haircut too. What album is this from? Took their mojo. Oh boy. Oh boy, <laughs> this is from the album Load. Ah, right. Uh, let me read you a little bit of the Wikipedia article about the 
album cover of Load. <laughs> the cover of Load is an original artwork titled Semen and Blood 3. It is one of three photographic studies that Andre Serrano created in 1990 by mingling bovine blood and his own semen between two sheets of plexiglass. Mm. The liner notes simply state, cover art by Andre Serrano, rather than listing the title of the work. In a 2009 interview with Classic Rock, Hetfield expressed his dislike of the album cover and its inspiration. Lars and Kirk were very into abstract art, pretending they were gay. I think they knew it bugged me. It was a statement around all that. I love art, but not for the sake of shocking others. Not a <laughs> Lars and Kirk guy. were very into abstract art, pretending they were gay. <laughs> wow. What James assholes. not having it. <laughs> F- Lars. Uh. Lars has uh, some original Basquiat's, right? That came up in uh, some kind of monster. He's he's no joke when it comes to the art stuff. Uh, he is a, a piece of shit, but uh, he's got some cool paintings. Just the idea that liking modern art is a form of pretending that you're gay. <laughs> pretending. It's, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a funny mid-90s thought to me. Yeah. Uh, Lode had some, some singles. Had... Uh, Ain't my bitch. Uh, it had a song called uh, King Nothing, uh, mm. Hero of the Day, Bleeding Me. Maybe 2x4 was a single. Um, a lot of singles from that. Give Me Fuel, Give Me Fire, Give Me That Which I Desire was on Reload, correct? That's right. That's right. right. I know that's, I'm assuming that's not the name of that song. But, it's uh, Fuel. Okay. Mm. It's Fuel and it gets me pumped. Mm. Mm. I'm not a clearly not a Metallica person. I've always loathed uh, Lars pre mm-hmm. pre Napster bullshit. Uh, he, he's the most boring drummer. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah, it's funny because I think most people think of Metallica and think of the drums as being like you know part of part of the whole thing and how important it is. But like if you actually watch what Lars is doing mm. with his arms. It is next to nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is like laughable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's like, he he's, puts everything into those he's hits. So intense, yeah. So dramatic with his hits, and it's just like you're not really doing anything, man. Chill yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the top of the pop chart, we're still at the crossroads with the Bone Thugs. Excellent. Um, cool with being there. Yeah. Cool being at the crossroads. So here we are taking a look at the modern rock chart where I certainly see a couple things worth mentioning. What do you all see? Yeah, I have a few things. Uh, Not as much as last week, Um, but uh, um, a couple to start that we've previously touched on, um, You Learn by Alanis Morissette uh, Mm -hmm. at number nine. That song I love. uh, another one, Trippin' on a Hole uh, in a Paper Heart by uh, STP. We've already... Great. already Classic. Yep. Already uh, waxed uh, nostalgic on that one. It's in um, a Paper Heart, right? Not on the Paper Heart? It's in a Paper Heart is what I typed, okay. at least. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's at number 12. Um, Trail View, last week, uh, when we were talking about the 13th by The Cure, you mentioned Mink Carr. Um, that's at number 23. Um, 
you loved it. I I think it's a great song. I think this song is more um like traditional cure style. Um the verse is a little corny for me, but it's fine. The chorus is great. The bridge is awesome. Um it it, it all adds up to like a, just a, another excellent single um from this record. So just another Another reason why um, I should listen to it, I still have I'm, not. I'm surprised to hear you say that you're lukewarm on some elements of it, because I know that your favorite Cure song, or at least one of, is High. It is from, my favorite Cure It song. is your favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I it, feel like this is the most similar Cure song, Cure single, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. that I could kind of line up with that. Yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the verse is terrible by any means. I just think it's like, a little cheesy, which the cure can be, uh, sometimes, um, still good, but yeah, I, the chorus and the bridge are just like killer. Just really, really mm. make the song. The bridge mm-hmm. is just awesome. Um, yeah, great, great all around. Um, I will be digging into wild mood swings, uh, in 2021 at some point. Um, jars of clay still there with flood. Dropping down to number 32, though. Um, boo. Let's hear a clip. The last song that I wanted to touch on was Stupid Girl by Garbage um, Mm -hmm. at number 34. I always didn't care for this song as a kid, and I was an idiot. This song is great. Do you, what do you all think of of Stupid Girl? I haven't listened to it in a while. I never liked it either. I think I just didn't like the sentiment behind the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been listening to little bits and pieces of this album lately and liking it. I think I've mentioned on the podcast that track one on uh, Garbage's self-titled album is really good. So I'd be curious to come back to it. I think this song is great. Um, Good synth chord progression. um, Really nice, um, simple lead guitar lick. um, The um, is really nice. there's a cool piano better, thing. Better than the Rolling Stones song, Stupid Girl. <laughs> yes. Um, there, there's a cool piano thing that happens. Do, 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 do. Uh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was pretty surprised uh, by how, how much I like the song now. It, it's, it's totally great. Also, the Train and Vrain drum loop. Vrain, Vrain, Train in Vain drum loop. I did not realize, but yeah, I can hear it just thinking about it. You're totally right. Yeah, I mean, it starts with it. Yeah, it starts with it, and sometimes it's hard to tell which song it's going to go into. It's 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 got to be sped up a little bit or something, right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I it's got to be a little faster. Um, Trav, can you? That's awesome. Can you generate a nude Tain and Vrain? No. Print me a screenshot of Oyster smiling. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, Trav, surely you and I noticed the same thing? Yeah. Is it Tahitian Moon? It sure is Tahitian Moon. Come on. Tahitian Moon by Porno for Pyros mm. at number 11. I love Tahitian Moon. Very cool. That chorus, it's this this climbing thing in the verse where uh, I don't I don't know. I think especially like thinking back to that video, uh the video seemed to fit the song so well. Um that climbing guitar thing in the verse seems to line up with cresting waves. Hmm. And there's the sunset in the chorus that's so Yeah, the beautiful. chorus is sort oh. of like an Ennio Morricone Western score, yeah. spaghetti Western kind of vibe. Uh, very cool song. I wish that the rest of that album were great. It's, it's decent. There are definitely a couple songs that I really like on it. Kimberly mm-hmm. Austin is yep. just, just great. But yeah. Um, yeah, I've never really been able to get into a full album that are... Our buddy, uh, our buddy, uh, it's Perry Farrell, right? That's in Perry, Perry, everybody, Porno? Perry Farrell, Perry F. Yeah. What, what's he, what's he have to say at the, uh, at the Lollapalooza? Bye, 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 bye. Uh, there he is. There he is. Hey, is he Perry. saying, is, is <laughs> he trying to say, by. is he trying to say papaya? Papaya. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, I had forgotten before looking at the chart this week how good of a single day job. Uh, that was my next is. one. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. I kind of have not really thought about that in recent years, and I never hear it at a bar, which is where I probably most frequently hear Gin Blossoms. That's the first song on Congratulations, I'm Sorry, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, the follow-up to New Miserable Experience. And um, yeah, I always liked it as a kid and uh, just didn't really think about it. A good verse, uh, very good chorus. Yeah. Uh, good song. Yeah, that one chord it works off of is that F sharp with the open uh, B and E strings on the guitar for the guitar folk out there. Uh, real chimey, jangly kind of thing. But it's, it's the only chord that can really do this um, to play a, a major with that, those ringing chords underneath it. Um, there's a special quality to the, the F sharp with the open B and E strings. Yeah. Um, I I appreciate any rock song that tackles a topic or decision that is not romantic. Uh, The idea of someone trying to think about whether they should go back to school or um, what kind of job they should get is something that I think I'm probably in the minority here, but something that I actually wish that people would make more musical about. (laughs) Um, that's what the real world is. I don't know why artists constantly feel that they need to obscure it um, behind some kind of poetry. I, I, I would prefer that we just sing about it. And uh, that's a good song. Is, the other thing that I, I had kind quick, of forgotten about. Yeah. Is that album worth checking out as a fan of jangly, <sighs> chimey guitars? Yes. I don't remember more than maybe half of it being good. I'd say it's not, it's certainly not as good as new miserable experience, but it is similar and it's a nice 
sort of um, like if you're looking for something like that mm-hmm. and you could tolerate um, some, a little some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it does have mm-hmm. the seventh inning stretch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is not not a t- the best thing in the world. But um, yeah, there, there's nothing really terrible on it. Mm-hmm. And it all just mm-hmm. sounds like the gin blossoms and it, you know, from 1996. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of yeah. really cool stuff. I mean, Follow it. You Down is decent. Um, it's as long as it matters. Is that on uh, Congratulations, I'm Sorry? That sounds right. That's good. Um, the other thing that I'd kind of forgotten about was Common Disaster by the Cowboy Junkies was on the charts and I mostly remember them for their version of uh, Sweet Jane mm-hmm. which is great mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. I uh, they're, they're just, it's, a, it's a pretty standard song but they, there's a great groove and I thought that it was very nicely recorded and uh, it sort of vaguely reminded me of a song that's about to come out called Poets by the Tragically Hip which is also sort of like uh, just kind of rides a groove and lets the the lyrics um, take most of the the attention, um, but I, I liked it quite a lot. Ratings, sure. Let's rate it. I'm giving it three point five snakes. I saw today. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. A little better than pretty good. Um. I think it's really good, not perfect, but really good. So I will give it 4.5 hoagies and grinders, hoagies and grinders, navy beans, navy beans, (laughs) slop, sloppy joes. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I I did not feel quite as high on this song as y'all. I, I liked the album quite a, quite a bit, and and I think I will spend time with it. But um, I, I think this was not one of my favorites on the album. I will give it two point five. Mothers, mothers. Okay. Mothers, mothers, ma. Plur, plural. <laughs> uh, Moth. A, a plural. Okay. Uh, multiple mothers, mothers. Oh, okay. I see. Or or a singular mothers multiple mothers <laughs> a, a, a mom's a mom who has multiple moms but the rating the the system is those those moms those multiple moms yeah isn't a dad really just half a mom anyway i, I wrote it i i typed it on my notes as mothers with the apostrophe after the s for some reason <laughs> Some well, yeah, it's it's a mess. It's this is a lot of people apparently. <laughs> Nirvana wannabe. Um, I think there are other songs on the album that are more so. Um, I I think it's this is clearly bubble grunge, a, a bumble grunge, a bubble, a bumble grudge album. <laughs> <laughs> a grudge against the bumbles. Yes. <laughs> It's clearly a Bumble Grudge <laughs> album, and uh, I think uh, I think Nirvana played. Uh, you know, it was an influence, uh, but a wannabe. I, you know, how I feel. Th- I've I've always been pretty vocal about most things are not Nirvana wannabes on mm-hmm. this. Yeah, yeah. I think for everything, we are always just like no, no. But I mean, mm. 
compared to the the songs we've covered, this is more yeah. more so of a Nirvana wannabe than the others. Yes. Um, but I, it's still hard to call it a Nirvana wannabe. There's a an Albini esque volume dynamic yeah. going on yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Of course, Albini would say that's not him. That's that's the bands that he records and how they mm-hmm. sound live. But we know that <laughs> we right. we know yeah. P.J. Yeah. Harvey in utero Pixies. Okay, tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for uh, their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. You can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. I know what rating unit I'm using next week. What is it? I'm going to be counting blue cars. (laughs) Okay, see you then. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye, mother. Sure. Yeah.